Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everybody. Hey. So this year, as we round the bend to American Thanksgiving, or as Willow aptly says, the sham with yams, we are beginning the podcast with a land acknowledgement to bring light and celebration to the indigenous peoples that we live alongside and to their land that we occupy. Also to bring awareness around the impact of colonization and the importance of continued learning and continued work. We acknowledge that we and our team here at Buffering the Vampire Slayer are occupying unceded and stolen lands and territories. I occupy the Lenape territories of the Asopus Lenape peoples. I occupy the Wabanaki territory of the Abenaki and Penacook peoples. Alba occupies Jojage of the Ganyankehaga nation. Mac, Latoya, and our editor, John Mark, occupy the lands of the Keech peoples. Land acknowledgments exist to celebrate the indigenous peoples who are the rightful guardians of the land or territory that we, as colonizers, are inhabiting. A land acknowledgment also encourages non-indigenous people to recognize that they are on stolen and unceded indigenous land and to directly engage with that knowledge in meaningful and impactful ways. It's important for us to understand the long-standing history that has brought us to reside on the land where we are producing and recording this podcast and to seek to understand our place within that history. There are countless indigenous people who were and continue to be forcibly removed from their rightful land, and the version of history that we are most commonly taught in schools and in popular media was written and continues to be told by the colonizers of the Americas. Colonialism is a current, ongoing process, and we need to bring mindfulness around our present participation. Yeah, colonialism is threaded through many other injustices. It's a root cause of racism. It's a root cause of the exploitation of the working class. And it also imposed a strict Christianity-backed patriarchy that created and continues to enforce gender roles and gender binaries with the use of sexual violence, transphobia, and homophobia. Colonization by white Europeans imported and amplified a culture of greed and an economy of capitalism that led to the enslavement of Africans and continues to underpin the prison industrial complex. We acknowledge that we are able to live off of and thrive within the colonial system as two white cisgender women. We further recognize that we are not just living and working on stolen land, but that we are benefiting from a story that is set on stolen land, one that superimposes a Christian-based hellmouth and epic battle for humanity on land where there was an actual genocide of the Chumash people. If this is your first time hearing a land acknowledgement, or if you'd like to learn more about the importance of this process, you can find resources today in our show notes and moving forward in our ever-growing anti-racist library found at bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash anti-racist-library. That link will be in our show notes for every episode. Today, we also have a list of Indigenous-owned businesses, authors, and artists in our show notes. And we have linked to the Meti in Space podcast discussion on Buffy's Season 4 episode, Pangs. Meti in Space is an Indigenous-led podcast, and you can learn more about their work at metiinspace.com. That's M-E-T-I-S-I-N-S-P-A-C-E dot com. We've also linked to our discussion on Pangs, which features a conversation with Koya White Hat Artichoker, Koya is a proud enrolled member of the Rosebud Sioux Tribe and 
was a founding member of the First Nations Two-Spirit Collective, which is a collective working to build a stronger political presence for two-spirit people within the National Dialogue on Queer Rights. We're also in conversation now with the Santa Inez Band of Chumash Indians, which is an organization running programs that are dedicated to strengthening the shared heritage of the Chumash peoples and a passion for Chumash culture, with hopes of hosting an Instagram live event together as a community in the coming months. As is the case for much of this work here in the buffering space, this is one of our first steps, acknowledgement, which will be followed by continued, evolving, practical steps toward continued change. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we're watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler free. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And hey, this week we're still moving. We're still moving forward. We are talking about season six, episode four. Flooded. Check your basements. Check your pipes. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by Jenny, recapping the Buffy episode that we are discussing. Flooded was written by Jane Espenson and Doug Petrie and directed by that very same Doug Petrie, we think, and originally aired on October 16th, 2001. Uh, this is the one where, while trying to get a loan, Buffy runs afoul of three deadbeat sorcerers who are using the otherworldly powers of a demon to rob a bank. That's the IMDb description. Blech. So, you know what's really interesting, Jenny, is that I read mm. the IMDb description and I thought, deadbeat, that's a word. Like, I, you know, I'm really examining some of the word choices that we have, the words that we've used in the past that we didn't say. Like, where does this word come from? And I thought, is deadbeat like a, a bad, mm. is it a bad word to say? Because you associate it, right, with like a deadbeat dad. Uh, Hank Summers, for example. Right. So a great I example. Up, I looked up the word deadbeat and what I found, I, I thought it was really interesting because the word was first used at the turn of the 19th century to mean somebody who was really tired. Uh, and then the, the word... <sighs> I am used, both dead and beat. Exactly. And then the, like, the use of that word deadbeat changed in the mid 1800s to mean an idler or a lazy person who shirked his work and duty. Uh, And I just, you know, think there's maybe a connection that should be spelled out between, like, the way that we perhaps call people lazy and um, what when actually they may be exhausted by the tasks put forth by society around them and the things that they have to lift. So, like, I don't know. I don't know the entire journey of this word, but I just said, hmm... That's uh, something to think about. But we can we can agree on one thing, which is that the fucking three of these dudes are lazy motherfuckers. (laughs) So my main takeaway from what you just said is that uh, shirking his work and his duty sounds like the the second line of a limerick. (laughs) Are you going to be if anyone wants to hear the rest of the taping, just trying to think of the first line of the limerick? No, I'm going to charge our beautiful listenership with the very important task of finishing the first 
third, fourth, and fifth lines of the limerick. Shirking Thank his you. work and his duty. Mm-hmm. Great. That's line two, baby. All right. Um... There once was a principal flutie. <laughs> I knew that you I knew that you could not help yourself. Like there was no reality yeah. in which you didn't at least deliver one line. Uh I could see but at least he's not principal flutie. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You could put flutie at the top or the bottom, whatever you like. Uh, or not. Which at is all. also what she said. She did say that. So um the previously on in this episode, to me, Jenny felt like 2020. I felt attacked because I had to like pause. I had to pause it both times I started my watches, and I paused on Joyce both times, and <laughs> I had to like make some notes. I had to do some stuff, and every time I looked back at the TV, it was just like Joyce, Joyce, Joyce. Uh, it just wasn't uh, and first lot. of all, how dare like, they? Here's like you know the previously on is structured so that you as the viewer are reminded of certain things. It's, there's a lot going on, you know. Just so you know, this is what yeah. we're referencing. But like at this point in the series, they're like, okay, so um, her mom died, and then she sacrificed herself to save the world. But then she was brought back to life. But also Spike. But also it's there's so it literally is like if, if it's I look back, legit like they're like, oh, you guys like trauma? Get a load of this shit. <laughs> Blam. <laughs> So, yeah, um, a lot has happened in Buffy's uh, last, you know, handful of episodes. This episode is really, well, it does a couple of things. I, I think, you know, we get out of the previous land and we open. I love a good misdirect. I lo- Like, I'll take as many as they want to give me for the opening of a show like sure. this. You know, she's in sure, the basement. Sure. It's dark. Oh, it's so scary. There's obviously a demon there. But no, uh, the real demon. And I think. An enemy of a different sort. But I think, you know, Jenny, what I think is really uh, interesting and important about this season, at least as we know so far is that we start season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the whole purpose of the metaphor of demons is to say like high school is really rough so here's a manifestation of a demon to show you how hard high school can be and now we're like in adult life and they're like you know we don't really need to lean on demons too much anymore because life is fucking hard and your pipes are going to burst and you're going to have to pay your bills and you're going to have to sort your this shit. This is the thing. A lot of supernatural shows don't bother with this kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, there's... Uh, uh, as we just saw in the previously on, you know, Buffy's life is difficult, complicated, painful, traumatic... But that doesn't mean that she gets uh, a get-out-of-jail-free card to escape the horrific mundanity and uh, incessant uh, attack on your fucking will to live of life. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and she's getting... I mean, we're, we're going to obviously go into this a lot because she's getting hit, I think, a bit harder than she should ever be getting hit at this particular juncture and where she is in her life. But that aside, you know, I think many of us can relate to how demonic uh, taking care of household goods and items and tasks and dealing with the day to day can be and can feel. And then the other side of this, of course, is like the larger metaphor of we see. Okay, so so it's not a demon. It's a pipe, a leaky pipe. Mr. Drippy, which I want to believe is just a little heart, a little heart soft spot for Kendra and Mr. Pointy. Uh, I I would love love a little story about Mr. Drippy and Mr. Pointy. 
<laughs> and how they relate to each other. And Buff Don comes down, you know, another just keep just keep giving this kid points, man. Don maybe we should call the plumber, she says. And Buffy's like, fuck it. No, I got it. I got this. And then she, I believe what we see here is impossible. Uh, but if we have any plumbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To our vast listenership involved in the plumbing arts, is this pipe explosion realistic? And also, are people out there still doing full copper repipes? <laughs> Do write in and let us know. Slayer at gmail.com. Also, Am I high or is Buffy doing Lefty Lucy here? I, I feel like she's going the, the wrong, wrong way. way. Maybe. But the the pipes, bur- it's like every pipe in the entire basement cracks at the same moment and is just spewing water everywhere. And re- plumbing wise, I think this is a bit unrealistic. I also think Joyce would have maybe taken a little bit better care of her pipes down in the basement. But that's another story for yeah. another day. But metaphorically, of course, this lines up with the if you say everything is okay, when everything is not okay, it's not going to be okay. The larger lesson here. And we see it all over the place, right? Obviously, Buffy is like the central focal point for that, that she is really trying to pretend for her friends that she's all right, for her friends and her family. But we see the same thing with Willow, you know, really trying to just pretend, just putting a little patch on the hole and saying that seems to be fine and then uh you know yeah this is what results yeah a flood flood. so a flood anyhow we get some credits we get some credits you know listen i'm i promise i won't keep harping on the plumbing but you can tell that this podcast is hosted by two 39 year olds I'm not yet. Today I'm 38. Buffy is, by the time of this airing, we will both be 39. Buffy is looking at the faucet running in the kitchen while... Yes, relatable content. Yes, and we'll get to the emotional impact. But like when the plumber is working on your pipes and you have a flooded basement, let me tell you what you're not doing is running the water in the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, you're holding very still. Yeah, you're not saying a prayer. Not using any of it. But Buffy says you should eat breakfast at least three times a day. And I say spot the lie. <laughs> I breakfast mean, Hobbit would agree with her at the very least. Uh, yeah. She she is um, struggling uh, deeply. I think this is... So Jenny and I are working with Alba and Mac and our team on some deeper dive episodes. Uh, we tweeted about it a couple of weeks ago, but I just want to point that out here because we're starting to really get into Buffy really exhibiting signs of depression, signs of PTSD as she's talking to Giles later in the episode. And Without spoiling, we are going to be kind of going into these topics. And so we're going to be doing uh, deeper dives where we get to talk about, you know, Buffy looking at the faucet uh, and this journey in in a more nuanced way. So I just want everybody to know that as we start getting into it episodically, that the plan is also to go deeper um, in a way that I don't think we can do in an episodic discussion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, she's struggling. Speaking of going deeper. Oh, boy. I really set you up for that fucking transition. Tito, the amazing plumber extraordinaire, is here. And Xander did a little haggling. (laughs) 
Because that's what they're calling it these days. Sturdy Plumber gives broad-shouldered contractor a full copper repipe job. 1080p HD. <laughs> yeah, also wrote also, down the haggling quote. It's a good, it's a good. Um, I just wanted to mention a little off-air exchange that we had in which, because you just hear me say it all the time instead of seeing it written out, I believe you were hearing me say 1080 PhD, as in Professor Young's reporting for duty. Wow. And I just wanted everyone to know what we talk about when we're not making the podcast. It's pretty much just more of this. Reporting for duty. That's right. I'm here. I just picture you like I picture you like in your bed at night, like lit by candlelight, just like with a tiny little notebook, you know, just like writing your uh-huh. jokes, just like ah, what I the hell? It. It's reporting. <laughs> Listen, yeah. So t- 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 Tito you and can... the Zand. Yes, Tito and the Zand. You know, uh, t- together at last. Yeah, thank God. I mean, you know, we can. We can go into Xander as a wiener dog and all of his nonsense, but maybe some of his hesitation in announcing his engagement has to do with his full copper repiping happening (laughs) on the side. Just a theory. A theory. So we move now into the living room of financial hell. There's a lot to Mm -hmm. talk about here, and I think we're going to have probably more conversations about this in future episodes because Buffy and her finances is a theme that is not going to end here. Uh, But Jenny, we just like try for a second to imagine the experience of insult being piled atop injury when you've been ripped out of heaven by your friends who then tell you while you were dead, you became broke. (laughs) I mean, again, I really feel like people could have done a better job. Uh, People meaning Willow, Xander. uh, Anya, I think, is doing great. I think Anya is really shining. Uh, This is her element. But telling mm-hmm. Buffy, first of all, telling Buffy that she's hemorrhaging money, that is an Anyaism, in the living room where her mother died seems rude. Very rude. Uncalled for. Um, Insensitive. Buffy has a fun little line here as she's like, she, she makes the joke, like, what if I burn the house down and collect the insurance, which everybody in this show says insurance. So, like, let me know. what. How do you all say it? Because I... Insurance. Insurance? Insurance. Sure. Insurance. Hmm. How do you say it, Jenny? Say it a few more times. Insurance. Insurance. I say insurance. Right. But insurance. Now that we're talking about it, first of all, it doesn't even sound like a word anymore. (laughs) And second of all, I'm feeling myself drawn to insurance. Anyway, um, Buffy says, like, we'll burn the house down, we'll collect the insurance. And then she says, you know, I'm joking. But before she says that, she she has a great throwback line to um, Beer Bad, where she says, plus, fire, pretty. It Thanks, is. Jane. Fire is pretty. Fire is pretty. Um, but Jenny, we... Listen, we're all mad. Uh, we're all mad in the same vein that Anya is fucking mad because Anya is Anya is essentially like, yo, I have a fucking idea and it's you work all the time. You should get paid for the work you what do. What a concept. And everybody in the room responds as though Anya has said in something. In horror. How dare you? How 
dare you suggest that the thing that takes up all of my time, thereby making it impossible for me to do my job, I mean... And which has saddled me with potentially a very early death sentence. I I fucking risk my life every day for other people. So, Anya, yes, you are correct. This is not a reasonable financial situation. There should be a better arrangement. We thought, you know, we know a little bit about financial things, but we happen to know somebody who knows a little more than us about the ways of financial meanderings. Uh, who is it, Jenny? We know a guy, and that guy's name is Gabby Dunn. Oh, shit! She loves being mentioned. Ooh, that Gabby Dunn. Holy shit! Gabby Dunn. Where the hell have you been? Where have I Where been? Where have you been? So, I mean, I think the last time that we spoke with you, we were all in California. And yeah, now seems right. you are in Florida and I am in upstate New York. And Jenny, you are newly, freshly in Maine. So we're all in the as same time fresh zone. Woo. As a lobster in a trap that you just hauled up onto the deck of your lobstering boat. <laughs> nice. Gabby, uh, you know, times have been really trying in 2020. And so I just wonder if you have any updates um, from Patrol Cat, because the people always want to know. Uh, they, they really wanted to know where the hell you've been, why we have not had you on the podcast, and also what the hell is going on with Patrol Cat. Uh, Patrol Cat moved to North Hollywood. congrats um, to patrol cat yeah and and is in mal's garden pissing on mal's plants (laughs) and and uh eating all of mal's plants and so mal had to put a a a bunch of vinegar around the garden Mm. in uh so that patrol cat wouldn't be attracted to it or come poop and pee in mal's garden wow Uh, however there's it's like patrol- I don't really know where the metaphor ends and the reality <laughs> begins. I know. <laughs> and uh and Patrol Cat uh so put so Mal I think Patrol Cat's well, I personally find her cute uh myself. But my <laughs> partner uh is is mad every time um I'm in the backyard because mm. I apparently use the, their very hard-earned garden as a as a litter box oh. and I also eat all the plants in the garden. <laughs> so oh it's, well, a I mean... com- it's a bit of a conflict. Mm-hmm, um also mm-hmm. I apparently have found a cat boyfriend who is also ruining um Mal's garden. So, you know. From the reports it sounds like Mal is struggling, patrol cat is thriving. Yep. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Great. I also, by the way, I say this every time, but the I get recognized like the most as like some character from this podcast than from <laughs> like, yeah. anything else. Like when I do meet and greets or whatever, people are like, I first heard about you as Patrol Cat. And I'm like, do you I've like done <laughs> other like what? <laughs> It's incredible. I mean, you have like a genuine staying power too. Like it really has been a long time since we've had you inside the pod. And I, Mm -hmm. when I tweeted, I tweeted like, not your name, just like a reference to your jingle and whatever. And people were like, fucking yeah. Like (laughs) (laughs) Like, nobody is nicer to me. Nobody is nicer to me than the buffering fans. Uh, Nobody's nicer than the buffering. I mean, they truly are the nicest 
people in the universe. Yeah, um, it's wild. So, Gabby, when mm-hmm. we watched this episode, uh, yeah. Flooded, we were, you might say, flooded with many feelings of anger, but also uh, it's it's really, there's a lot of money stuff in it. And so we mm-hmm. thought, we know somebody who, like, talks about money sometimes, really likes mm-hmm. Buffy, mm-hmm. and, you know, is mm-hmm. just, like, mm-hmm. a, a pretty famous uh, millennial. So Yeah, uh-huh. We have some talking points, but do you want to do you want to start us off with some of your thoughts on like Buffy and money and this shit? Yeah. So I do a podcast called Bad With Money, which is how I'm qualified in case you people think I'm here shooting my <laughs> mouth off, which I know I would be anyway, because I love right. to do it. But, um, <laughs> but I can't believe that this is we're just now addressing that she doesn't get paid. First of all, there's an there's an an entity that provides a salary to other people. To other to Giles to other people, so it's to not tons like, and tons and tons of different watchers. Like there's only not, one Slayer. Yeah. It'll just be one more salary. <laughs> like it's not like she is uh, like a vigilante that nobody knows what she's doing. There's like an organization that mm-hmm. that could be providing compensation, and this is like also very interesting that this is the first time that I assume we're thinking of it as the audience. Um, and I also really appreciated that it was about, like, the death of a parent. And so, like, you're in some ways, like, what do you do when you don't have the person who normally does this? Which I think is mm-hmm. relatable to a lot. I hear a lot from people who, who whose, like, guardian has passed away. And they're like, I, I'm in charge of all of this now. And I don't know what you're supposed to do. And that the paperwork regarding that is... Um, needs to be a lot easier for people dealing with grief because as of right now, it's like also a slap in the face. Like if you, if, mm. from people I've heard from who their parents have died, it, it, the entities like the government and the bank and all that, they, they don't, credit card companies, they're not nice to you. They don't make it easy for you. They don't like take into account what else is going on. They're just like, just as uh, mean as before. And I would imagine it's like a it's like a two sided situation, too. Right. Because you have like the fact that the banks and credit card companies and all of these places are not set up with any kind of experience or guidelines to deal with somebody who is grieving. But also, Mm -hmm. I don't think that as humans, we're really set up at all to think about the logistical side of losing a guardian or a parent. I mean, even if they're not your guardian anymore. Right. Like, yeah, that, that there is an entire emotional side, but there's this massively practical practical side that starts right away it doesn't wait no and and um you end up making decisions that you wouldn't normally make so like friends of mine have been like you know normally I would negotiate this but I was so tired from my dad dying that I just like paid five thousand dollars because I was like whatever which they take advantage of on purpose there's also funeral funerals cost like $12,000 $12,000 for the, at the bare minimum, you know, so that was an interesting thing for them to touch on. Cause I, I, sometimes this show goes cuckoo bananas. And sometimes this show is like <laughs> so grounded in reality that you're mm. like, I am triggered. This was one of those grounded in reality episodes, which is funny to say in an episode where someone was literally risen from the dead. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I think that she deserves a salary. How can you hold down a job? Like, if you work at a, a restaurant and you're like, call in, you're like, sorry, I can't do my shift. I, I have to go murder a bunch of vampires. Also, I mean, 
just consider like what's going on. First of all, where the fuck is the funding coming from? That, somebody for, asked that question. For the Watchers Council. Uh, are they just warlocking a- gold into existence? And then no, I we've think seen the Quentin Travers. Are family wealth. Okay. Well, we've got Believable. Quentin Travers, the three, four goons that were with him on the um the Glory is a God episode. Mm-hmm. Uh formerly Wesley Wyndham Price reinstated Giles. So there are at least seven people and they have annual horseback riding that's retreats. what i'm saying i think that they're i think that um they come from like old money so a couple of things first of all this is maybe the first time we've thought about the fact like th- b- meaning like the first time the show has spelled out the fact that buffy isn't paid but in checkpoint that episode buffy negotiates uh, to get Giles back pay. So there's been a lot of conversation. No, no, no. no. Right. No, and, no, 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 no. And so, and and he gets it. A lot of our listeners have been talking about Giles. And like, you know, mm-hmm. we love, we love and respect Giles. We care about Giles. But a lot of people have posited the theory that like, the council's salary to Giles is not intended to be just for Giles. That <gasps> Buffy mm. or the 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 you know the Watcher is the caretaker of the Slayer. So yeah. like part of that salary should be going to the Slayer. Um, also, at some point he was like double dipping too. He was getting librarian salary and Watcher uh, Council salary. Oh my god, on you're top. right. You're right. Pay right. the fucking Slayer a living wage. Like, plus. just, you know, buy, like, a skills. couple less tweets, sir, you know? Uh-huh. I think I, I think he's, he, in his mind, he's like, I'm using it to take care of her. But he's not, like, providing her right. with money to, like, but also, I Giles is, has limits, you know? If he comes from old money, if he comes from, you know, a certain, like, background, he might... Yeah have this pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality that seemingly only people who have come from wealth maintain when they've, I don't think ever seen a bootstrap. So (laughs) I mean, okay. So some people are getting a salary, right? Because they work at the magic shop. Right. Like Anya has a salary um, for, for Mm -hmm. working at the magic shop, which she, uh, I think, like now owns or at least is partner in mm-hmm. uh xander yeah. has, oh, is getting so giles is still collecting two Z- yeah. sources of yeah income. exactly xander has a salary because he uh has moved up in his construction uh mm-hmm. you know he's working with tito he's he's doing mm-hmm. decent mm-hmm. for himself there's been a lot of uh, speaking of scoobies and income and like how they're all using money now that we're all adults and joyce is gone there's been a lot of like backlash against willow and tara specifically because they're living in the house and they're going to school so they're paying you know ostensibly Mm -hmm. tuition but they're not contributing financially to the household i have a little i have a little pushback on that because i do think like caretaking for dawn and also essentially taking the role of the slayer for the last five months counts for something yeah yeah and they and they are like dawn's parents right now who owns that house buffy now yeah, I, w- I would assume Buffy owns So she the house. has an asset. Yeah, the bank in Sunnydale said property values have just never been competitive in Sunnydale. Not sure why. Yeah, that was very <laughs> funny to me. I wonder at what point in the house purchasing process do the vampire wards reset? Like, is it at closing? Do, do they get oh, true. You know what I mean? Like, when does the when can Spike uh-huh. no longer enter that home if Buffy sells that house? And how does right. that work? <laughs> 
So the problem is, is like <clears throat> Buffy could sell the house. It does have sentimental value. People are living there. Oh, wait, but he said that it hasn't been fully leveraged. Does anybody know what that means? Which which means that the house is, I think, depreciating. Right. Like the the she doesn't ha- she doesn't owe anything to the bank on the mortgage, but the house was worth less than it was worth when she bought yeah, it's it. Worth es- less, essentially. Uh, it's worth less all, all, basically every day. I, I also can see why they wouldn't give her a loan because does Buffy have credit? Has Buffy ever had a credit card? Does she no. have does she built credit? No, How she doesn't she... have anything. I mean, maybe her her beeper bill. As your financial advisor, there's a lot of red flags here. <laughs> um, what happens is you should have been building credit starting at 18, Buffy. You mm. should have at least gotten a, a like a department store credit card. Um, you could have gotten like a, you know, some sort of like starter card that you only put a certain amount of money on. Like, there's a, do you have a debit card, Buffy? Like, there's just a lot happening here. Yeah, um, it's true. And, you know, it seems like actually now thinking back, you know, who probably was establishing credit uh, quite well was Cordelia Xander. after. Oh. oh, Xander, for sure. I yeah. mean, this is so to like take this hypothetical into uh, reality a little bit. It, we were talking about it with Giles and like the fact that it, part of Giles uh, problem perhaps is that he is from wealth and so he doesn't understand uh, anything like this, right? Building credit, I'm sure, is not something on Giles's radar. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. and also, somebody wrote in and, and asked about Faith specifically. Yeah. Like, what what would Working it have class. been like? Right. If Faith was here, she would literally know all of this shit because she does not come from wealth of any kind and has had to really learn these lessons already. Or. Is Faith just scrappy? Like, does Faith understand credit? Does Faith understand that kind of stuff? Or is she just kind of scrappy? Where, like, she can get by, she can figure out how to get 50 bucks, which, like, used to be my deal. Is like, mm-hmm. she, like, she yeah. knows, <laughs> she knows to go into an, a hotel, say you lost your charger, even though you never stayed at that hotel, go into the lost and found, take all the chargers <laughs> and resell them on eBay. <laughs> Suddenly we're on scam goddess. Okay. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. That's amazing. But you're right. You're right. I, sorry. I, I think that I framed that incorrectly. You're right. Faith would not know about building credit, but Faith would have a plan here. If it yes. was a scrappy plan or not, like she would definitely have a plan. And I think that Faith, scrappy or not, would have demanded at this point that she be paid or that Buffy be paid. Mm -hmm. Like, I think she would have connected those dots, whereas it does not seem that Buffy is connecting those dots. Buffy even, like, makes this... It sort of seems like a dig at the series Angel because she's like, what, so we should charge people money for saving their lives? And I'm like, it's literally what they're doing in L.A. Yes, like, I think... I I think yes, but the problem is, is, like, it's, you know, the capitalism of it all is is hard to swallow. Like, I think, like, Willow should be charging people for doing spells for them. I mean... Willow has, like, a full job awaiting her, even without her witchcraft. She's uh, she's incredible at everything tech. There should just be a household conversation about money where everybody understands that we need to contribute. How are we all going to make this work? Instead of the way that it's sort of pushed now, which is, like, Buffy, how are you going to pay for all this? Yeah. yeah. But they don't. I just read something that was interesting to me on the Reddit, which is that Dawn qualifies for survivors' benefits, and so Dawn qualifies for Social Security 
because of Joyce's death, which I didn't realize. Oh. Let me say something to your audience of social justice people, okay? There is, and, and the social justice people probably know this. So let me speak to the audience of, of people who have quote unquote pride and not gay pride, regular pride. You, <laughs> you do not need to feel embarrassed or ashamed of taking government help. You do not need to have this idea that Buffy has of I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to like, uh, there, there, I need to be noble. I need to be like noble and honorable by doing this on my own. What she should be doing is sitting her ass down and applying for social security and applying for unemployment and applying for disability and trying to figure out what Dawn qualifies for as a minor and do not feel ashamed or embarrassed because it is here for you. The government sucks. Take their money. And, and, and all of this American bootstrap shit is nonsense. And you should absolutely drain the entire system because it is here for you. And don't feel embarrassed and don't feel like a failure because of it. And that's my speech. Love it. Gabby Dunn, the coach Taylor of finances. <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> oh, Gabby, thank you for being here and talking to us about money and feelings. Thank you for having me. She loves being mentioned. Ooh, that Gabby Dunn. Gabby Dunn. <laughs> Just she's been, you know, gone from the pod, but never from our hearts. Never, never and from what our a delight hearts. to have her back. So happy, uh, so happy that it's being addressed that action is Spider-Man's reward. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, the way that Xander tr- treats Anya is an issue for me personally. Um, and that is rooted in the fact that Anya did have a good idea that Xander didn't recognize as a good idea and also made her feel like she was bananas. And it's like, that's not literally fuck all the Scoobies. Fuck, fuck the other I mean, Scoobies. Honestly, what the fuck? But then, you know, Xander, and this is the way in most relationship fights, right? It's like the real, the real issue here is that A, Xander is a wiener dog and B, that Xander made her feel really stupid about an idea she presented to the group, which even if it wasn't a good idea, which it was, you still support. You don't make your partner feel stupid. But of course, instead of either of those things being the thing that sets her off, it is that uh, all he does is basically tell the truth about Spider-Man, that action is yes. his reward. <laughs> uh, so she storms out. Understandably, Xander uh, follows her and he's like pretty quickly intuiting what's up. He's like, this is because, you know, they don't I haven't announced our engagement yet, isn't it? And Anya has a great little no. Maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, progression, rapid progression through the emotional spectrum when mm-hmm. your significant other won't tell everyone that you're engaged. <sighs> uh, she's distressed. She wants to wear her beautiful engagement ring. She's right. This is sad. It is sad that she is carrying around. This is super sad. Uh, and I understood, like, there was there was a period of time where, like, I got it, right? Buffy had just been tipped. Right. We are far past that That time, time has passed. Yes. The time has passed. Also, just to hop back for one second, I know this came up in the Gabby segment, but like literally two hours away, uh, a man is charging people to save the world. Right. Angel, Wesley, 
Cordelia right. and Gunn are all Full getting business paid. model. Full business model. And they all opted in. Buffy never had a choice. Right. She was imbued with powers and a sacred duty. Fucking pay this girl. Seriously, okay. pay this Sorry. fucking... Okay. <clears throat> I will say that's something that I like to hop back to the Anya Xander outside scene. Something that I really like about the construction of this scene is that it... It's a kind of another misdirect, right? That like Anya's upset. Xander delivers, which you could almost be tricked into thinking is a meaningful <laughs> response. And Anya, hey, I mean, I mean, he, I think he he means it, and it's real. But he's but he's dragging his heels. Exactly, he's he means it, and it is real. And I think, but I th- what I love about it is I think that so much of television is written where that would be the end of the scene, and it sets us right. up in life to be like, oh, but you're saying these nice things and doesn't really put a lot of onus on the action itself and so i just love Mm -hmm. that like writer's room yay thumbs up and then of course like anya as a character thumbs up for being like hey no you just got me all fucking soppy and like fucking emotional and whatever and i did that thing again yes and fuck you you fucking stupid dummy uh, and she storms off and yeah. i am in full support of her storm off because xander needs to xander needs to you know pick which he wants does he want tito and the copper repipe or does he want anya uh and a, oh. a life full of you know counting money i don't know <laughs> hmm. well he'll have to figure that out and while he does buffy is practicing her uh loan speak there's a first time for everything is my philosophy This is my first big loan. Collateral? No problem. No problem. No problem. I love that tie. I'm a problem solver. Let's crunch those numbers. Stupid skirt. Sorry to keep you waiting. Carl Savitsky, loan officer. Buffy Summers, loan applier for. She brought her report cards. They were like, banker name. What's a banker name? Definitely Carl. Carl, right? It's like, sorry to all the Carls, but you know, we dragged Chad's a while back. So now you can hang out with all the Carls and the Chad's can bond together over our. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, Carl's and Chad's sounds like a loose drawer of miscellaneous hardware. Oh, it does. Nuts, bolts, Chad's and Carl's. (laughs) So Buffy is right. You said report card, right? Buffy doesn't understand what she's supposed to give to the bank. Um, and the bank, of course, wants to see. Willow makes a really nice retort uh, later on where she's basically like, oh, so you need to have money to get money? <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, indeed. cool equation. Mm-hmm. Also, uh... Fuck the public education system in the United States, uh, which involves pretty much, in my experience, mm-hmm. just about absolutely no financial planning or nothing uh, other resources that would set you up for like what you would need <laughs> for a loan, for example, or how to build credit mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah, a thousand percent. It's almost as if they don't want you to know. Hmm. Hmm. So Carl is basically like, uh, yeah, this isn't going to happen because you don't have a job. And with that, of course, comes this demon, this this bank robber demon busting through the glass. And oh, my God. Just fresh from fresh from French connection. Uh, right? uh, this fucking like <laughs> ref- like mildly iridescent blood colored pleather short sleeve button up over a fitted black tee 
This is a look. It's a look. It's a look. Fucking French connection. Remember, it was FCUK, and everybody yes. was like, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. Oh, the things that amuse <laughs> us. Um, yeah, mm. so so Buffy gets up, of course, because this is her job that she's not paid for. She stands up. She, she gives her quip to the demon and then goes to kick him in the face. But as she said earlier, stupid skirt. Uh, she is trapped in her own she is trapped in the garments that she's using to try to get help um, which in and of itself is a metaphor and she (laughs) is hoisted thrown onto Carl's desk uh, and then she does one of perhaps my favorite moves to date Uh, she ah yes asks permission to use his letter opener and when Hmm. granted permission Hmm. uses that letter opener to slice right down her skirt allowing her to kick the shit out of this demon hot Mm. love it um this fight scene has a real like almost slapstick quality first of all the demon punches her so far across the room so high up in the air Mm -hmm. then she um slits her skirt then she, the the demon throws her into the security guard who, who has fired her? a gun. Yeah, yeah, and the, but she has the distinct look of like a mannequin. Yo, a thousand <laughs> that, percent, in the... a thousand percent. It's like a repurposing <laughs> of the Dawn mannequin from when Buffy was running with it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then Buffy like holds up the gun as though it were like a dead rat. And is like, these things never helpful, throws it, and then it it goes goes off 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 screen, and they like hit the deck. Pew! Uh, it's just very, this whole situation is pretty goofy. It's pretty goofy. It's, it's it's almost like, I mean, I think, I wonder what it's like, right, to try to, like you said in the beginning, shows of this genre don't often tackle things like applying for loans and, and, and paying for mm-hmm, bills. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. like, you know, trying to work a demon in, in this context, is probably more difficult because this demon really only serves the purpose of, like, showing us that she does have a job and also connecting us to of course the three fucking ding-dongs that we're gonna meet yeah very shortly we'll get there but um we find out that despite saving carl's life and the bank uh, although i guess the bank was not saved of any money buffy still did not get the loan um we go yes we go to this like very romantic uh candlelit training room scene between willow yeah what is going on here did your power get cut off like why are they in the dark i don't know but i think like so we're watching this episode and taping this episode like really only like a week or two after allison hannigan tweeted and broke the internet Mm. by saying willow and buffy should have dated so i just Mm. have that like percolating in my mind so when i got to this scene in the episode and it was like really moonlit i was like what's going on here can we address that for one second i would love to jenny i would love May to both we? address okay. it and undress it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, God. So sorry. I don't Here's really mean that. Here's the problem. It's just a joke. Here's the problem. <laughs> you maniacs. <laughs> you beautiful maniacs. You think you want it, but here's here's what would happen, I think, if Buffy dated Willow. Everyone would feel pretty much the same as when Buffy dated Riley because mm. Willow is um good 
gentle. Is she? Things are getting a little weird now, <laughs> right now. But um, up to this point, yeah, I mean, I Willow think has it's, been it's... maybe more like Riley than any other character is like okay, Riley. First of all, how dare? <laughs> Second of all, how oh, I hear the distant dare. sound of people hitting the unsubscribe button. Yeah, I think you're maybe getting fired. So, um, Willow is nothing like fucking Riley. Fuck you very much. That's on behalf of myself and all of our listenership. And second of all, I don't know. I think they're both hot nerds. I think, but whatever. Okay, I think I'll give you. I'll give you. Uh, yeah, they're very different kinds of nerds, though. But yes, I'll. I'll give you that they're both hot nerds that's as far as this train will fucking go but counter to this i think like the the real question about willow and buffy is when in time and uh, you know we are limited in our conversation there are some things that would be really important to bring in that we cannot uh but i do think that like willow and buffy dating in high school probably not the best i do think that there is um a, a part of their journey where they could have done maybe some good for each other in in conversation but you know often the things we can access in a friendship we can't access as easily when we're in a romantic relationship so you know i i think it's fun i think it's fun i don't think it would be the best yeah. choice hoot. for either of not, them not not practical application and you know uh, i mean buffy not has, not ideal for a practical application no, and buffy's had so many other practical choices you know insult vampire uh initiative soldier um you know she's really really like everything that she's done up till this point relationship wise has just been great <laughs> um and i'm sure everything she'll do in the future will be great too Mm, yeah. Okay. What could go wrong? Um, this everlast heavy bag, object of the uh, laziest think, Greek I job I have ever seen. Oh, sorry, it's an everast <laughs> yeah, heavy bag. I don't bag. know what you're talking about. So I'm guessing, um, I'm guessing that this is similar to to a lot of of other stuff that we kind of notice more now than we did when this aired 20 years ago on televisions that were constructed very differently and like the limitations of those tvs maybe would have made this a little more passable yeah. as a greek job um <laughs> but it basically looks like somebody just like half sharpied in the r and the l like not even well it's like you can still see yeah the they were like oh the sharpie's kind of running out but whatever they we gotta shoot we gotta go fucking duct tape and wrapped it around that what are they doing i know oh, it's very funny so Willow and Buffy are talking, and really this is, again, this ties into the mental health conversation because Willow is essentially, like, excited that Buffy is angry because Buffy has not been showing a very large range of emotions. So, um, Willow, you have got to chill. Also, you have got to be cool. If your friend is struggling and you're noticing that they are not accessing a full range of emotions, the way to manage that is not to intentionally try to make them angry. It is to ask them what the fuck they need because they obviously need support. And on top of that, yeah. maybe don't even ask them what they need because they might not be in a position to tell you. Have a conversation yeah. as a fucking group. You're all chosen family. This girl needs support. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't Willow is rant. clearly just so desperate uh, yeah. for to be let off 
the hook to be given permission to let herself off the hook essentially um but i do love her choice yes her tactic i, I love how yeah. she decides to try to piss buffy off first by uh telling buffy that she slept with riley which is a ridiculous Could sentence you imagine riley would try to take off willow's boot and she would be out the door that would be the fucking end of that shit it would be over before it began no way over willow before- would be like Nice. And I have a second boot on <laughs> no, my other foot. No, fuck you, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then when Buffy uh, calls out this obvious lie, Willow's like, yes, you caught me. I lied to to distract you from my sleazy affair with Angel. Now picture that for a moment. <laughs> no, I cannot. I will not. I cannot. <laughs> it's too Can silly. You? I can't. It's literally too much. Like Angel with his fucking shirt flapping in the breeze. Like, I just can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Mm -hmm. it's good, though. But you know what might even it out is if it was... I think Riley's, like, dorkiness and Angel's dramatically sexy fucking... They would both... We've seen how hot and combustible it got when they met. Right. So maybe together, you know. Yeah. Could be just, like, a little Willow sandwich on some fucking one slice of butterscotch (laughs) and one slice of fucking blood pudding. (laughs) Gross. Okay. <laughs> let's go to the magic box where fucking another sandwich being had is that of the wiener dog xander <laughs> fucking harris um this is i i like that anya anya's upset right she's like here's your chance fucking but it's it's done it's already done like when you get to this point in in an argument it's over she's yeah. already had to push him so hard that even if he fucking did it now it would always be present and always be an issue yeah but she's so frustrated oh, yeah. and she says I love it. This tone in my voice, I dislike it more than you do, and I'm closer to it. And I, <laughs> hell yeah! Can we play Anya her jingle? Do it. She spent one millennium demonically vengeancing. Speaks her mind and then some. You know she's partial to the finer things and down with double boyfriends. Oh yeah, exchanging cash for goods and also services. She'd love to hold the money for ya. She'll hold that cash. Just keep the bunnies far from Anya. I just like I love it because she's really. She's feeling manipulated, and that's fair. You know, it's like she she doesn't want to be uh, talking the way she's talking and acting the way she's acting, and it's Xander's immaturity that's activating it, and somehow she winds up looking like the person who just can't keep her chill, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dawn makes a compelling argument to be allowed to help with research and then is immediately confronted with demonic anatomy. Let me tell you what, Kristen, that's a weird place for a horn, 1080p HD. And in this case, the HD stands for horny demon. Oh, oh, there you are back in your bed with your little candle. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> do, 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 do. I don't understand uh, why you say 1080p HD. You say it. Cause that's what when you um when you no <laughs> Jenny just looked at me like a fucking what? parent like sometimes when uh, people love each other I just mean uh-huh. that I thought you told me that PhD was wrong last episode no it's it's 1080p right like 1080 yes, I, pixels I, I, am, I have vi- and edited then space, video before high definition or in this case again 
horny oh, so demon. So it wasn't that PhD was wrong. It was just that I said it together it's without just the that, proper yeah, spacing. Yeah, they're, they're separate. I'm going to send, don't worry, everyone. I'm going to send Kristen a link to Pornhub.com. No, thank you. As soon as we're done taping. So if it isn't clear, I don't like Learn porn. about the formatting. I fully accept <laughs> porn for the universe. It just doesn't do anything for me, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving right along. Uh, the the thing I want to talk about with Dawn uh, is that, and, and not related to the uh, misplaced horn that she finds, the Scoobies were 16. I know we've said it before, but it's... It's just so absurd to me how much of a child they treat her like when she is not a child. She's correct. She is a teenager and she has the full capacity. First of all, she has the full capacity to research demons. And second of all, she well knows that that isn't a fucking horn. Are we kidding? 15? Let Dawn help. Let Dawn help. And she finds the fucking demon in two seconds and also gives us the delightful thread that will run through the rest of this episode, which is how do you pronounce Mfashnik? Mfashnik? Like mmm cookies? Or Mfashnik? Uh, it does wind up being mmm. Also, the episode that came right before this was where the Furies said mmm angels. So we're getting a lot of oh, true. MMM uh, mm. sounds in the episodes as of late. This Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Demon is a mmm mercenary. So <laughs> that's all. This demon's a demon for hire. Muscle muscle. <laughs> Oh, blah, blah, blah. This demon will wreak havoc for the right price. And ding dong, Giles is home. 
Okay, so obviously we've had some conversation about Giles. You know, dad's getting complicated. It's not all good. It's not all bad. It's complicated. But this scene. Locate your Kleenex box as Buffy hugs him so hard. And he says, you're, and she says, a miracle. And he says, yes, but then I always thought so. Oh God! Play it. Just play it. Just play the fucking dad. Jingle. Jingle. Hot dad. You you help you watch over us. Oh my God! It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, do you know why the fuck there is like a very quick cut of the demon guy none. strolling around? None. <laughs> Absolutely none. I literally I the almost... episode came in fifteen seconds under, and they were like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> this footage." Like the only thing I could think Jenny is referring to this. It's like we go from the magic box front room to the training room in the back, but there's this weird shot of the fucking mercenary demon. Mmm, fashion strolling. So I think it if it wasn't for time. It was probably done to just like make sure you remembered that this isn't just about real life stuff. There's still a demon. Giles, Buffy's like, what have you been up to? Giles is like, I went home, met with a council. I keep a flat in Bath. I met with a few friends and I almost made a new one. Sir, you were home in England for approximately two days. (laughs) Giles was like, I got to do some fucking. That's what I think. Giles was like, I am home. I'm going to get a place where I can literally do some fucking beep, 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 beep. Ethan, I'm home. Beep, 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 beep. Olivia, I'm home. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, how did he even fit all of that into the amount of time he was in England? It's It was so quick. Also, he's so much stuff. It is a lot of stuff. You're right. And also, p- part of that, like, uh, fucking aside, he meets with the council. That's the first thing that he says that he did. And I just want to know, and... What did we all yeah, decide? Yeah, and what came of that? What? Did you tell them that Buffy was dead Dead? again and then if you did what's going on with it it, it, like did the council just say like cool let us know how that works out i just you know want to know what the plan was and um, light on the details here yeah but giles uh giles was busy in a lot of uh different meanings of that word uh he almost made a new friend almost (laughs) i'm trying to think of the um what the online dating site that a herringbone clad uh ancient mystical studies major i was just talking like giles would be using i was just talking about the gym membership that my dad used to have which is called silver sneakers and so now that's all i can think of (laughs) (laughs) yeah with a different meaning on the sneakers maybe um silver spectacles Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I, I'm thinking, like, uh, you know, it's got to be a word where one of the vowels has been removed to, like, make, like, a, a unique spelling of something, like like Tinder. Oh, Wait, okay. Does Tinder have an E, or does it have no E? I'm so I don't detached. actually know. I think it does Grindr? have an E. One of Grindr them is missing have, an E. I think Grindr's lacking a, a vowel, yes. <laughs> We're doing great. Uh, I've never even seen Tinder, but... Tinder? I hardly I just, know her. 
Yes, exactly. But I feel like Giles would be on something like, 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 like fizzle, but it would be spelled like F-I-Z-Z-L or something. Fizzle is what you've come up with? (laughs) I'm just thinking of like magical sort of like... (laughs) Um... Oh, all right, you can all email right, all right. us at bufferingthevampireslayer oh, at gmail.com. I know. It would be like, oh, exclamation point, Cyrus. <laughs> now there's an idea. There you go. Ding, ding, okay. ding. Points for Jenny. Okay. 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 So, wow. Oh, Cyrus, fuck you. Get out of here. All right, I guess we should talk about the episode some more. A little bit. Uh, so, so an important exchange here is that Buffy is like, so coming home was um, inconvenient, essentially. She feels like she's inconvenienced Giles, and he's like, no, that's Buffy, like... Buffy, Buffy, Buffy. Uh, we don't have that kind of relationship. It would never be inconvenient for me to return here, but it is bewildering. It's it's really overwhelming, and, and that makes sense, of course, because it's bewildering for, for Buffy more than anybody. And so she starts to kind of open yeah. up and tell him she does this thing. If, if you know, you're listening to this and you have depression or anxiety, uh, I'm somebody who tangos with anxiety all the time. And y- you kind of do this cycle, right, where you're like, well, it, you know, it was really bad, but. I mean, I guess it's fine. It's, you know, like uh, this happened and that happened, but I'm okay. Uh, With any kind of mental health issue, it's very common to like not remember uh, some of the worst moments and to just be like, you know what? I think it's actually fine. Uh, And so she's doing that here. You know, sleeping is hard. And then she works herself all the way back around to sleeping's okay, I guess, except for the dreams. And then Giles sort of falls down the same fucking thing that Willow has fallen down. Like, this girl is telling you that she is waking up at night because she woke up in a coffin. She's struggling with sleep. Mm-hmm. She's not feeling okay. So I I appreciate Giles wanting her to feel taken care of. So, like, I'll give him the I'm proud of you moment. But then the minute that she is out of that room, he should be trying to figure out how to get her support. Because she is... She has been clear. You can't even say she's hiding it. She's said so clearly she's not okay. Also, like, I don't know. I mean, don't you think it's weird that Willow is like, hey, I'm going to do this huge, flashy, dangerous, scary spell where I bring my friend back, but I'm not going to, like, do anything, like, to foster healing or emotional support. I mean, like, you remember, like, they used to, like, hold hands and do healing spells, like, mental healing spells together. Mm-hmm. And, like, th- there's there's no kind of, like, post-resurrection support where you would be looking for, like, Willow to be getting into the healing arts instead of just, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <sighs> so... We learn that, as you said, this demon is a mercenary. Um, It will basically just do whatever it's asked uh, if it's given enough money. Xander has a nice, uh, that is the American way, but um bump boo. Mm. And we cut to the lair. Now, when I take notes, uh, I locate them like I say like we're at the magic box for the scene we're at this place right but I I'm writing very quickly I'm like I hand write my notes <laughs> I refused to write lair without adding quotation marks over it every time I located <laughs> I could not in good conscience call it a lair I called it a quote lair we meet well 
We've known two of these dudes, haven't we? Warren, Jonathan, and Tucker's brother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They are three little dweeboids in a basement who have hired this demon to get them a bunch of money so they can buy a bunch of toys to take over Sunnydale with. Yeah. You ever seen three dorks in beanbag chairs covered in money? Oh, my God. They're like, we're we're super villains. Like, it's so ridiculous. And that is important. The ridiculousness of the three of these fuckers is really important. Um, we learn, we learn that Andrew, uh, who we love, this is Tom Lank. We fucking, I mean, could not adore Tom Lank any more than it's humanly possible to adore a human. Um, and he is constantly having to remind everybody that he sent the flying monkeys to the school play, not the fucking devil dogs, which I love that we call them devil dogs now, <laughs> to the prom. Um... Yeah. This... <laughs> First of all, I'm not really sure why Mfashnik believed uh, these guys this when is they were ridiculous. like, men of power, blah, blah, blah. But whatever. You got to suspend your disbelief. Sure. We get a great like, okay, well, which one of you is the leader? They all say, I'm the leader. <laughs> I'm going to kill <laughs> the leader. Says, I'll kill the leader. <laughs> uh-huh. Then there's a lot of finger pointing, blah, blah, blah. Andrew and Warren kneel and start referring to Jonathan as wise Jonathan. Uh, Then Fashnik says he's going to kill Jonathan, but then beat Andrew and Warren to death with Jonathan's bones. So then everybody's working together again. They're like, hey, want to look really cool to all the other demons? Hey, want a robot Fashnik girlfriend for like after a long day of wreaking havoc for pay? Uh, But the demon uh, Fashnik doesn't want any of that. He now wants the head of the Slayer. I feel like I'm uncertain or, like, unconvinced of the Mfashnik's motivations yeah, here. Yeah, I think Mfashnik doesn't really understand why he's here. And he knows he's he a plot. He doesn't get a fair shake. He knows he's a plot device demon, you know? He's like, God damn it. Yeah. I really wanted to be a demon of consequence. And instead, I'm a plot-moving uh-huh. demon. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the Mfashnik storyline is 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 weak because he literally just takes them at their word. And then basically the end of this entire thing is Warren being like, here, you can have the Slayer's head. Here's her address. And he's like, OK, <laughs> like what? Yeah, very goofy. <laughs> um, but before we get there, let's let's take a minute for Giles and his whimsical sheets. Why the fuck is Giles yes. sleeping on the couch? Giles should not be sleeping on the couch. Tara and Willow should you be... You put Dawn on the couch. Well, Dawn, somebody you put the... else goes on the fucking couch. The old man doesn't that go on the couch. That old man needs a bed as a fellow old man. Correct. Agree. Adults get a bed. Same. If I come to your house and you are 20 years younger than me, you sleep on the fucking couch. I sleep in the bed. <laughs> It's the way the rules work. Anyway, um, Buffy brings up money. So this is like another thing. She's brought up her trauma and what she's struggling with. And now she's bringing up... 
that she's really struggling with money. And and Giles has a great moment here with her where he says, you know, tomorrow morning we're going to go over every bill together. Uh, and I wish that he had done this, you know, uh, before, but fine. And, <laughs> and Buffy says, I'm glad you're back. And Giles says, I'm glad you're back too, and reaches for her. And she kind of like hasn't even registered that he said that and she's already up off the couch. And it really holds on Giles's face for like enough time for us to recognize that he is recognizing that this is fucked up and she is fucked up. Yeah. Oh, boy. Here we go. It's time. Willow is so pleased with herself and she's expecting that Giles will be very impressed. Oh, and God. One fun thing about this scene is when One. she's talking about how the spell was so scary <laughs> that the Blair Witch would have had to watch like this and then covers her face so she's just like peering through the cracks in her fingers. That's pretty great. And also really great like food acting from Allison Hannigan. She's like stoked and snacking. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as Giles is like, you're a very stupid girl, the way that she kind of like slows down as mm. she like catches up to that is really cool. Great job. You you have to wonder, you know, like obviously Willow is shocked. I mean, we're all shocked, right? We don't we don't expect this from Giles, but Willow having gone as like dark as she has gone, you have to wonder if she anticipated that Giles might call her the fuck out in a way that nobody else would. Like uh, if anybody was going to do it, it was going to be Giles, and she also elected not to tell Giles specifically for this reason you know like yeah so yep she's kind of gotten away with it with dawn and dawn was pissed but dawn you know really looks up to willow and i think you know it's just a different relationship spike is like go fuck yourself but spike is always like go fuck yourself and so giles is like the Mm -hmm, last guy mm -hmm. standing who was left out of this and i just feel like she can't be that fucking surprised um But we'll play part of this, the part that nobody wants to hear again, because we're evil, evil, super villains. But before we get there, I just want to say that, um, you know, like you said, Jenny, uh, Giles says, you know, you're a very stupid girl. Um, You were the one I trusted most to respect the forces of nature. And Willow says a line that I think is very important. Um, If I were on Angel on Top, I would tell you to write it in your Shanshu prophecies, but I'm not. (laughs) Um, But she says, they're the bad guys. I'm not a bad guy. And this is a, I mean, this is a theme that we have danced with for six seasons, right? Like, where's the line? What makes somebody bad? What makes somebody not? I just think it's really important, an important moment that Willow has this Mm -hmm. phrase. Mm -hmm. And then she gets shitty and she's like, I wasn't lucky. I was amazing. So let's, let's hear a little bit of this. And how would you know? You weren't even there. If I had been, I'd have bloody well stopped you. The magics you channeled are more ferocious and primal than anything you can hope to understand. And you are lucky to be alive, you rank, arrogant amateur. You're right. The magics I used are very powerful. I'm very powerful. And maybe it's not such a good idea for you to piss me off. Come on, Giles. I I don't want to fight. I... Let's not, okay? I'll think about what you said and in you try to be happy Buffy's back. Oh 
my Ooh, God. That is a fucking tense kitchen. That's a kitchen. You got to get out of that kitchen. That's I don't like it. Let's let's leave. <laughs> um. Yes, let's go to the backyard where Buffy can hear pretty much so all this- of this. Oh, God, everyone. This is interesting, though. I mean, maybe we're just supposed to believe that they've left a window open, I suppose. But, like, it's funny because so mm. beautiful, beautiful spike entrance. Perhaps one of the best spike entrances we've seen. The butt of his cigarette smoking lands on the deck and Buffy in her <laughs> stylish brown boot. Who's wearing boots like this around the mm. fucking house? Where's her slippers? No, no, no. Puts the cigarette out and says, hello, Spike. And he smiles in this way where he just is so happy because she's out there alone and they get to have a little (laughs) alone time together. Sorry, I have feelings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then he says, you hear all that noise. So, like, it's like Spike was outside hearing it. Buffy was outside hearing it. They just straight up had the window open? Guess so. They have this this little meeting, you know? This little emotional bridge where they talk about how Buffy is, like, Bending over backwards, uh, trying to make everyone believe that she's okay so they won't worry. Mm, so the pipes won't that, burst. The act of that. Ex- mm-hmm. mm, yep. Yep. Spike helpfully offers to thin the herd, which at this point, you know, might not be the worst thing. <laughs> gets, a, gets a smile. Gets a smile from Buffy, which, like, truly, how many smiles have we seen in season six? You know, it's... it's, And he... I mean, Spike categorizes yeah. it as a grin, which I think is taking it a little far. I don't know that it was a grin. But she does find amusement in Spike's yeah. uh, offer to murder some of her friends and family. Um, Yay! Hooray. And she says, "Why are you always around when I'm miserable?" And he and they sort of have this exchange. Like she's she's alone when she's sad, and he doesn't like crowds, and she doesn't like crowds, yeah. and so they just sort of they're not so different after all. They just sort mm. of sit down on the stoop, and you know we've seen him on the stoop a few times before. It's yeah, it's always, always good. good. And and then like the last and <laughs> fun line of the scene because you're like, oh look at them, and then she goes, you know, have you? Do you know anything about finances? <laughs> Girl, do you know he doesn't know anything about finances? Well, what are you talking I mean, about? You know, if she was willing to perhaps take stolen money, he could probably help out. Oh, that's true. That's true. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Don and Giles are about to engage in some important scientific research. <laughs> Love to put cereals together in a big bowl. I disagree, Giles. It wouldn't upset your stomach. It's just fun. Mm. Mm. This is not how I roll. (laughs) No thanks. (laughs) So they're standing at the doorway. It's a very cute little sleepy moment between them. And the doorknob is like rattle, 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 rattle. And this is an incredible hit to Dawn. Incredible. The door flies open. Dawn literally gets smacked directly in her face and flies backwards. It's a hit. Um, And she also, from the floor, has a... We know I love a Dawn fucking scream. Dawn's got a great scream. And she she carries us right through the commercial break with that scream. She's screaming when we go into it. She's screaming when we come out of it. Uh, Giles is knocked through the fucking stairs. Airway railing, the house is being damaged. Yeah, I am watching this scene like pop up video, just like <laughs> mm, broken banister, $350, mm, smashed coffee table, $225, mm, broken designer lamp, $195. Oh no. 
It's really adding up. I hope somebody makes it for us. Um, So Buffy, I think the better move would have been actually to take mm, Fashnik outside, but she takes him to the mm, basement. Yes, why? You know, I was trying to work it out metaphorically. Like, there's got to be a reason, like writing wise, like that she's taking the demon to the flood, which the flood is a representation. But then I got confused in my own metaphor uh, pool. So. Well, she ends up staring at the same pipe that she the started beginning. the episode. So that's probably staring at. It's definitely like I a writing idea. smart person reason for it. But in terms of actually saving your home, yeah. you know. Uh, the water's just sitting down there. What did Tito do? Why didn't he fucking... T- what yeah. is going on? And she uses yeah. the uh, pipe to kill the demon. Uh, it's very like, uh, what is that movie called with the wire, no more wire hangers? Oh, yeah. Um, horrible. Mommy, Mommy Dearest. Dearest it's very course. has that, like her line delivery kind of uh, made me think of that. She's uh, saying just full copper repipe <laughs> as she slams <laughs> the demon with the fucking pipe. And Spike, another like slapstick moment. There are a few. Jane was feeling a little punchy. Uh, Spike, yeah, like, did yeah. you know this place was flooded? Uh, which is, which is <laughs> fun and also, I'm sure, ties in in a smart person way. And all you smart people can tell us how. You might have noticed that we haven't played the patriarchy jingle yet, um, whereas we could have played it many times. But, you know, we're about to head into the scene where I think it lands the best, Jenny. Ugh. Well, I love seeing a flamethrower. Love a periscope. Same. Don't have much use for action figures myself, but I can appreciate, you know, the satisfaction one could derive from fully deploying Appreciate them. Warren's poor mother who is distracting herself from her miserable asshole son by planting <laughs> tulips. Uh, feel for you. Andrew says they can stay up all night if they, they want. stay up all night if they want. They're like, this is so great because we got all the money and then the Slayer took care of our problem for us. Everything is awesome. And then they're like, we, what are we going to do when the Slayer figures us out? We could hypnotize her. They put her on their stupid dry erase board with their stupid fucking list. And then they say something oh my God. which just really sums it the fuck up, doesn't it? We're going to play what these three little Blech. dingleberries say to each other. Is this the life or what? I mean, here we got all the stuff we ever wanted, and we didn't even have to... Earn it? Exactamundo. (laughs) The patriarchy! (laughs) Just three white dudes down in a basement talking about how they got (laughs) shit they didn't earn. So we'll see where that goes. See where that fucking goes. Crime is our wormhole, uh, says one king of the nerds, who then does has like an epic fail as he tries to light a cigar with a hundred dollar bill. You gotta give uh, credit. I mean, you know, we're obviously uh, dragging the characters, but you got. I mean, the the three of these dudes acting wise. I mean, fucking. Tom Lank as Andrew and Danny Strong as Jonathan. Like, Danny Strong as Jonathan with this fucking cigar and the dollar bill and, like, his panicked face as he lights it. They're acting-wise, great job, everybody. <laughs> it's 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 quite wonderful. It's it's quite good. I agree. <clears throat> so, uh, meanwhile, across town... Anya has put on a shirt. Anya's been doing a little... Do you, did you see Anya's shirt when you uh, watched this scene, Jenny? 
No, what is it? What's the uh, shirt? It's long what is it? Long sleeve tight shirt uh, that has a cowboy or cowgirl, uh, cow person, uh, lassoing something on a horse. It's quite something. Uh, I beg of you to go back All and right. check it out. Uh, but yes, we are back. Anya's uh, sitting at the table of financial woe with Buffy. Uh, everybody's trying to fix the house. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Giles announces that he knows he must be home. In the United States, because he's been yes, knocked out. Yes, can somebody out, do this work for us? Because we were keeping a tally, and then Giles stopped getting knocked out, and I forget where we left off. I would love <laughs> to just know what number we're up to, and I know that somebody yeah. out there yeah. has that yeah. count. Uh, so, Buffy, you know, they basically, they, they can't fix the table, they can't fix the lamp. Everybody but Dawn, Buffy, and Giles, right, goes out to sort of bring these things to the to curb for trash. And... Um, yeah. Yeah. And Buffy says to Giles, I don't think I can do this. And this is what's difficult about this mixing of genre, right? Is that Giles says, Your mother took this one crisis at a time, and so can you. And that's true. Mm-hmm. But Joyce was not also saving the world every season. Uh, so it, it's. Nor was she newly resurrected. Right. Nor did she have to work through the trauma of digging herself out of her own grave. So, you know, I understand. And we obviously talked about this a bit in the segment with Gabby. But, like, it's not really this is not really a fair burden to put on Buffy's shoulders at the bare minimum. This should be a collective family lift. And by family, you know I'm talking about chosen family. This should be how yeah. is this group of people, Anya and Xander, Willow and Tara, Giles and Buffy, how are they going to manage this household and this effort with their new set of circumstances? This is not a time for dad to be like, you should really learn how to live your life now that you're fucking undead, Buffy. Like... <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Uh, Dawn's crossing her fingers that she'll be forced to drop out of school (laughs) and work in a poorly ventilated sweatshop, which prompts Giles to wonder what exactly she has been Mm -hmm. reading. Well, this scene, it doesn't resolve itself, does it, uh, Jenny? Because the phone rings. Ring, 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 goes the phone. Buffy goes to get it. We don't hear Mm -hmm. anything. She comes back in. Hmm. She says, who could be calling me? Everyone I know lives here. <laughs> but lo, there is one person she That's knows. That's not true. She That's also not Cordelia. right now. Okay, but it wasn't Cordelia. <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> she comes back and she's like, that was Angel. He knows I'm alive. Uh, I got to go see him oh, right now. What a confusing moment. It is a confusing moment, but it's also like I feel like the drama that seems to be uh, layered onto this is unnecessary. Like Buffy's like, I got to go right now. And Giles is like, can't we take care of these bills first? And Buffy's like, no, I I really got to go. Understandable. But then Buffy is like, thanks for taking care of this. Basically, Buffy can go see Angel 
come back and then look at the bills with Giles. I don't know why they have to make it seem like it's like mutually right. exclusive. It's just this setup. It's like we're really being set up to understand that like Buffy is really shirking her fucking adult responsibilities and it it really it it doesn't work quite well given the circumstances. Uh no. m- you know, maybe watching this as a younger person, you buy into it a little bit more in the early 2000s. I don't know, but like now with the knowledge I ha- carry, you carry, I think many of us carry about so many of these situations and also the the impact of trauma, it doesn't um make too much sense they should be asking her if she needs a ride anywhere to go see angel yeah and she's like no i'll have a ride when i get there yeah well well all right there's only one stone that as yet remains unturned and turn it we must it's time for the sexual (laughs) tension awards got your list oh i got my list whoa so many slots and so many noms potentially but only four of each can exist uh within the the limited spectrum our fixed horizon of the sexual tension awards and here they are in your first slot the noms are like a five-year-old. Tito You're the plumber. A five-year-old. Like just so you, the listener, know when she says either slot or nom, she pauses, looks into the camera of her fucking computer, and raises her eyebrows to be like, "Eh, eh, is it bothering you yet?" <laughs> okay. First of all, let me live. Second <clears throat> of all, in the first slot, our noms are Tito and the Zand. That's right. Oh my god. Lefty Lucy, righty tighty, if you know what Wish I mean. there was a copper pipe emoji, it... if you know what I mean. Measure twice, cut once. Uh, in the second slot, the noms are Buffy's skirt, and it's OTP, the letter yeah, opener. <clears throat> that letter opener knows how to slit a slot. Uh, in... <laughs> What? I slid a slot, a slot, I slid Talk upon about a seam slot, ripping. slid a slot. <laughs> yeah. Gotta go. In the third slot, with some very tender back porch uh, mm. potential brewing romance, it's Buffy and Spike. Very sweet. It's very nice. And then, if we can fit three noms into this one slot... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's it's uh, you the, know um, if they don't all fit, Jenny, I bet one of them could take off his shirt for us, and then one yeah. could take off the other's boots to help fit, to help fit for space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just uh huh. <laughs> yep, yep. It's it's uh the Sunnydale special. It's number three on the sandwich board. It's Willow. In between Riley and Angel, you're welcome. So many slots, so many noms. Cast your vote directly into the slot of our ballot box, which you can find on Twitter at BufferingCast. Make your voice heard in our beautiful democracy. Thank you. (laughs) Well, Jenny, um, how are you doing? Oh, uh, we did it. Four episodes in. 
16 to go, baby. <laughs> Will we Will survive? We? It, it, no one knows. That is the cliffhanger of 2020 slash 2021. Uh, who the hell are you? Hey, I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And when I'm not making this podcast, I am making songs. Uh, recently, I've put out uh, a handful of, of new things on Bandcamp and also on uh, the general digital streaming platforms. You can find all of those things by searching for my name on whatever platform you use. Jenny Owen Music. 1080p HD. Wow! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Hell yes! <laughs> you can learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com. You can give me a shout on Twitter at JennyOwenYoungs. You can also listen to me talk about a whole other petite blonde protagonist over on my other podcast, Veronica Mars Investigations. Wow. I am Kristen Russo. Uh, you can like find out what I do at KristenNolene.com. You spell my name... With no P's, um, with no H's, and with nary a D. Uh, it is just Kristen Nolene, uh, <laughs> K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can use that spelling to find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, I do a fun little Patreon-only podcast with Joanna Robinson where we watch movies I have never seen before. And it is a delight. It is very, very fun. If you're part of our Patreon or if you're part of the Storms Patreon, you not only get those episodes, but you also do the live watches with us. November is uh, bringing us to the fantasy space. So we are watching Beastmaster legend starring tom cruise and tim curry what how did that one escape my clutches and Mm -hmm. willow um and so you know it's a fun time and you can find that podcast on our patreon or on the storms patreon or you can just support us both you know if you feel like it buffering the vampire slayer is on twitter instagram and facebook at buffering cast you can drop us an email at buffering the vampire slayer at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at area code 216 Three zero B U F F Y. You can support the work that we do here uh, over on our Patreon account. That's the place you find that podcast I was just talking about. Uh, it's a great community. You can join our secret Facebook group. You can get songs in advance. You get advance notice about really cool fucking merch items that we're adding really soon. Just saying, it's really cool. I'm so excited to <laughs> be launching this merchandise item very soon. Okay, um, you can find out all about that. BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com. Just click on Patreon. You can also uh, find our shop there where we have all sorts of things. We'll be bringing back the um, holiday ornaments that say Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy. If they're not up now, they're going to be up momentarily. Uh, We have a lot of fun stuff over there. Also, we are so, so, so thankful that our Patreon community has organized for many years running now a holiday gift exchange. It's super freaking sweet. Jenny and I enter it every year as well. Um, Everybody goes into a big bin. We're shook around and then paired with somebody. um, And we then exchange a little gift via the mail. It's all run by our listener, Frankie. uh, And our listener, Lorena, uh, does a book exchange where it's a similar thing, but you share books that you love with another Scooby. Those 
I know. It's wonderful. We love it. And we love all of you. Um, so that's open to patrons. Uh, it's also open to our Black and Indigenous listeners. Those links have been sent out as all of our digital perks on Patreon are available for free to our Black and Indigenous listenership. Uh, and I just want to let everybody know that the deadline to sign up for those exchanges is November 29th. So that's just a few days from now if you want to join. Um, you can find those links on our Patreon page. If you join our Patreon, you can also ask people in the group over there. They'll get you where you need to be. Uh, and if you have any issues, you can always email us, just like Jenny said, at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. Till next time. Uh, Who could be calling? Everyone we know is already in this podcast. Hello. Hey, it's LaToya. I know the risk, but I have to see you.
Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of the Go Kid Go Network. Do your kids love wacky worlds, superheroes, and inventing? Of course they do. That's why our shows Bobby Wonder and Lucy Wow are set in Pflugerville, the nonstop fun and adventure universe where imagination, creativity, STEM, and positive role models abound. Join the Pflugerville fun by searching for Bobby Wonder and Lucy Wow on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.